Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So the year was 1962. A factory owner by the name of Alfred Levy, he was trying to figure out why there were some issues with with phone calls in his building, and even some of the calls were being dropped. And so after investigating, he realized that, that one of the phone lines was damaged and actually one of the wires was touching the metal frame of the building, the office building next door. And the result of this metal-on-metal contact was unexpected. It had turned the entire office building into a giant radio receiver. And so when callers were placed on hold, they were hearing the music play from the local radio station. Now, while while this discovery was completely accidental... Alfred Levy thought, this is a pretty good idea to to let people listen to music when they get placed on hold. And so by 1966, he had patented the idea. So the next time you're on hold jamming out to some good tunes, you, you have Mr. Alfred Levy to thank for that. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a huge fan of, of getting placed on hold when I call a company. In fact, I always think it's funny when, when, I, when I make a call and the first thing that they do when I answer or when they answer, they say, thank you for calling. Can I put you on hold? What, what am I supposed to say? No. They're going to put me on hold anyways, right? But studies have shown that if music is playing while you're on hold, callers are, are more likely to stay on the call 50% longer than if they were just sitting there in silence. So we're in a series right now. It's a four-part series titled Conversations. And as we're going through this series, we're simply learning about and and talking about prayer. And as we think about prayer, I want you to understand, God never puts us on hold. God never puts us on hold. God is never stuck on another line. He's never too busy to listen to us pray. He's never too busy to have these conversations with us. He doesn't need music to play while we're waiting because God is always ready and available to listen to us pray. There's also nothing too small that we can take to God. I've heard it said many times over the years, don't take that to God. God's got bigger things to deal with than with that. But the reality is because he's God, he is able to deal with the big things and he's also able to give his attention to the small things. I want you to remember, God is big enough to handle even the small things. Even if God is dealing with big things, God is big enough to handle even the small things. And so we can go to God with our big requests. We can go to God with our small requests because God is big enough to handle even the small things. And so if you go to God with something that that you may think is a smaller request... God's not going to put you on hold and say, well, hang on, let me deal with this first, and then I'll be able to deal with that. God's not going to put you on hold. God is big enough to handle even the small things. 
So if God isn't going to put us on hold, what this means is that we don't have to wait to talk to God. We don't have to wait to pray. But I think all too often, even though we don't have to wait to pray, I think all too often we just don't do it. Like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, they knew they needed to pray. Jesus had commanded them to pray, but every time they came back to every time Jesus came back to check on the disciples, they weren't praying, they were sleeping. And so like the disciples, I think we know we need to pray. Maybe we even have a desire to pray, but all too often we still just don't do it. So let me pause right here and ask, what's stopping you from praying more freely or more frequently? What is that one hindrance in your prayer life that you would say is stopping you from praying more frequently or more freely? Are you tired like the disciples? Maybe you're just distracted because of the busyness of life. Or maybe as you've thought about prayer, you've made prayer into something really more than it's supposed to be. In other words, you've overcomplicated prayer. And so because in your mind prayer is so complicated, it's something that you just avoid doing altogether. So what's stopping you from praying more freely or more frequently? And so as we're going through this series, my desire is to, to help us refocus our attention on our need to pray, but also maybe to take some of the complication out of prayer so that we will be more apt to pray more freely and more frequently. So let me just remind you of this very easy definition for prayer. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Prayer is simply a conversation with God, which is good news because we have conversations all the time. You've had several conversations already this morning. And so if we know how to have conversations with other people then we can know how to have a conversation with God. We can know how to pray. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 11. Now, many times when we think about prayer, we probably think about prayer as a very one-sided thing, us talking to God, us taking our requests to God. But as we think about conversations... Conversations are rarely one-sided. In fact, if you're in a very one-sided conversation with someone, you may not talk to that person very frequently, right? Because usually when you have a conversation, it's a two-sided thing where both parties speak, not just one of the parties. Now, as we think about what's going on right now, what's happening right now is very one-sided, right? I am doing all the talking because... Sermons are not a conversation. Sermons are a monologue. But when I talk with my wife, let me tell you, she doesn't want to hear a sermon. She wants to have a conversation. And this is something that I've had to learn over the years because just to be honest, as a pastor, it's very easy to get preachy. I admit that. And so there have been times in our marriage where maybe we're having a, a discussion and I go into sermon mode. This was especially true earlier on in our marriage when I was still learning, right? And so we'd be having a discussion. I'd go into sermon mode and Sarah would have to call me on it and bring me back into a more conversational level. And so as we think about prayer, I want to give you this reminder that prayer is not to be a monologue. Prayer is to be a dialogue, 
Prayer is not to be a monologue. Prayer is to be a dialogue. And so if we're going to God solely with a monologue, if we're going to God and we're doing all the talking and we're not allowing God to speak to us at all, then this is me calling us on it. So that hopefully we can bring prayer back to this conversational level where it's not just us doing all the talking, but, but we are allowing God to speak to us as well. Now, as we look at our passage today, when we start out, we're, we're going to see in verse 1 that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One of the primary reasons that the word of the Lord was rare in those days was because the people of Israel had hardened their heart towards God. In other words, it was God's people who had hardened them, their hearts to God's word. It was God's people who had hardened themselves to God's speaking. And in doing so, they also gave themselves over to their sin. And so it's not that God couldn't speak to them, but because their hearts were so hardened, they were unable to hear a single word from the Lord. So in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. But I want you to understand, while the word of the Lord was rare in those days, the word of the Lord is not rare for us today. While the word of the Lord was rare in those days, the word of the Lord is not rare for us to say, how can I say this? Because we have the complete, authoritative, and perfect word of God right here. God has given us his word, and his word is in many of our homes it's accessible online, and it's in bookstores around the world. The word of the Lord is not rare for us today. In fact, in the United States, 20 million Bibles are sold yearly, which means 1.66 million Bibles are sold monthly, or 384,615 Bibles are sold weekly. And so as we think about this, man, the word of the Lord is not rare for us today. We have God's word available to us today. Now, I will say that there are some countries with people groups and language groups that still don't have copies of God's printed word for them. And so there are mission organizations like Wycliffe Bible Translators that, that work day in and day out to to translate God's word into these, these languages so that all people will have God's word accessible and available to them. In fact, Sarah's sister and our brother-in-law are missionaries in Cameroon, Africa, working with people groups to, to translate the Bible into these languages that don't yet have God's word for them. But here in America, we do have plenty of copies of God's Word. In fact, in our homes, we may have multiple copies of God's Word available to us. The Word of the Lord is not rare for us today, but the tragedy is, while the Word of the Lord is not rare for us today, all too often we treat it like it is. And we go day to day, week to week, month to month, and even year to year, never hearing God speak to us from His Word because we've allowed for God's Word to just become a, another book on our bookshelves or another decoration on our end table. We don't, we don't recognize that it's God that has spoken to us 
And so we treat it like another book and we never allow God to speak to us through his word. And, and maybe even we've allowed our hearts to become hardened towards the truth of his word. And so, as we look at our passage, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. But even though the word of the Lord was rare in those days, what we're going to see is that God speaks to Samuel. And we're going to see Samuel have a conversation with God. So with that in mind, let's read our passage now. This is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. It says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? I didn't call, my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. So as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting how we see verse 1 begin. Verse 1 says, it begins by saying, the, the boy Samuel. And I want to begin with this because I think this is very interesting. Because what we see here is that God isn't speaking to a leader in a position. God isn't speaking to a man. God is speaking to a boy. In, in fact, Samuel was around 11 years old at this time. And so as we look at this, it, it, in a time where the, the word of the Lord was rare, God spoke to a boy, which I think is a good reminder for us that we are never the wrong age to have a conversation with God. Hear that again. We are never the wrong age to have a conversation with God. I don't care if you're a child, if you're a teenager, a, a young adult, an adult, a senior adult. I don't care where you are in that stage of life. We are never the wrong age to have a conversation with God, which means that regardless of what our age is, practicing prayer is something that we can begin today. Practicing prayer is something that we can begin today. But, but I would also say it like this. If you are a young person, if you're, if you're a child, you don't have to wait to begin that relationship with Christ and begin walking in that relationship and having those conversations with God. But likewise, I would say, maybe if you're an adult and you've gone your whole life and you've never surrendered to Christ, you've never started that relationship, you are still not at the wrong age 
You can still give your life to Christ. You can still begin that relationship today and begin having conversations with God today. We're never the wrong age to begin having conversations with God. And so we have this reminder about age, but I also think that there's a a good second reminder for us. We don't have to have a degree to have conversations with God. We don't have to have a degree to have a conversation with God. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Samuel was not a theologian. He was a boy. And so if I could, I, I want to dispel a myth this morning. And it's the myth that, that pastors or maybe ministers on staff at a church, maybe we have a greater access to God or a high, higher level relationship with God that you are not able to have yourself. But I want you to understand, I'm just a person. Palmer, he's just a person. Becky is, is just a person. Listen, I don't hear from God because I went to seminary and have a degree hanging on my wall. I don't hear from God because I was licensed and ordained to the ministry. Certainly all of those things help me in the position that I, I serve in. They help me to lead in this position. But that's not why I hear from God. I hear from God because on a daily basis, I get into God's word and I allow for God's word to get into me. And so we don't have to have a degree to have a conversation with God. You don't have to have a degree to have a conversation with God. And so I would encourage you, don't let this myth prevent you from walking in that close relationship with God. Don't let this myth prevent you from from having these daily conversations with God because talking to God is something that you yourself can do on a daily basis. But now as we think about having these two-sided conversations with God where it's not just just us talking to God, not just us doing all the talking, but, but also God speaking to us, as we look at this passage, there, there are a couple of things that I want us to learn this morning. First, when we pray, we need to position ourselves to hear from God. When we pray, we need to position ourselves to hear from God. Let's look at verse 3 again. It says, Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. So when we pray, we need to position ourselves to hear from God. And we have... This great opportunity here to see Samuel's physical position. He's lying in the temple of God. It's in the quiet hours of the night. In other words, there's really no distractions around him. And he's in the presence of God where the, the ark of God was located. And I think it's important to note that The ark of God was a physical representation of the Lord's presence. Certainly, God was not confined to a box. But God allowed at this time for his presence to reside with this ark. And and the ark was kept in the temple. It was actually kept behind a a veil or, or a curtain. And so as we look at Samuel, he's away from distractions and he is in the presence of the Lord. And so as we think about this, right, there are some good truths for us as we think about positioning ourselves to hear from God. So first, if we're going to position ourselves to hear from God, we need to get away from distractions. 
We need to get away from distractions. And let me tell you, we live in a world of distractions. Whether we're talking about work, sports, activities, entertainment, social media, the list could go on and on. Whatever those distractions might be, it's not that any of these things are necessarily bad things in our life, but we can easily allow them to distract us from hearing God's voice clearly. So I can remember when Sarah and I moved out of our apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so that we could move to Fort Worth, Texas. We'd lived in that apartment for five years, and, and over that time, we'd, we'd gotten used to the sound in that apartment. We'd gotten used to, to how it sounded when we spoke. But when we boxed everything up and we moved everything out, we were doing our final walkthrough in that apartment before officially moving out, and all of a sudden, everything sounded different, right? Our voices were louder, our voices were clearer, clearer. maybe they were even a little more echoey. Over the years, right, all of the furniture, all of our stuff in there had kind of muffled our voices, and we just kind of got used to that. So I want you to understand the distractions that we have in our life can prevent us from hearing God's voice clearly. The distractions we have in our life can prevent us from hearing God's voice clearly. And the sad part is we get so comfortable with our distractions that we get used to maybe rarely or never ever hearing God's voice speak. We get so comfortable with our distractions that, that we've gotten used to rarely or even never hearing God speak to us. And so I would ask us, what distractions in your life are preventing you from hearing God speak clearly? What are those distractions in your life? And as you identify those distractions, maybe it's time for, for us to move some of those distractions out so that we can begin hearing God speak clearly to us. So if we're going to position ourselves to hear from God, we need to get away from distractions. But second, if we're going to position ourselves to hear from God, we need to place ourselves in his presence. Just as Samuel was here in the presence of the Lord where the ark of God was located, we need to position ourselves in the presence of the Lord. So how do we do that? Well, here's the good news. I said that the ark of, of the Lord was located in the temple behind the curtain or the veil. And this was so that mankind would understand that we couldn't just enter into God's presence freely because of our sin. In fact, it was a, a priest that would purify, cleanse himself, and then he would go behind that veil. He would go behind that curtain to offer sacrifices for the sins of mankind. But what happened in the New Testament, what we see is that Jesus came as our high priest and as the pure and spotless lamb. And so Jesus entered into the Father's presence as our high priest, the final priest. And he offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. That's what he did when he went to the cross. He offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. And so what happened when, when he died on that cross, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, indicating that when we come to God through Christ, there is absolutely no barrier to prevent us from coming into God's presence. 
No longer do we have to go through a priest. Now we go through Christ. And so there is nothing to prevent us from entering into God's presence freely. Now what this also means is that we don't have to enter into a temple to enter into God's presence. Now this isn't a temple, right? This is a church building. And and when we gather together, the promise is, is that God's presence is with us. But we don't have to be in this church building to experience God's presence. We can practice living in God's presence each and every day. But again, if, we, if we've given our lives to Christ, how do we position ourselves in his presence so that we can hear God speak to us? And I would say it's more simple than we might think. Here it is. We need to get into his word. If we want to get into his presence to hear him speak... We need to get into his word and allow his word to begin speaking to us. I think many times we want to pursue an audible voice from God. We want God to speak to us in some special or grand way, but we neglect to listen to what God has already spoken to us through his word. So when I was in college, I I dated a girl for a little less than a year. And in that time, I was able to meet her parents. And, and at that time, her parents weren't attending church. They had gotten hurt in church, something like that. And so her dad said to me, we will go to church when God tells us to go to church. And what he was saying is he, he was waiting for some grand voice from God. He was waiting for God to speak audibly in some special way to say, you need to go to church. But, but what he was doing was neglecting or ignoring the fact that God had already commanded him to go to church through his word. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. God had already spoken through his word. And so... What we have to remember is that we cannot expect to hear from God unless we are willing, or we cannot expect to hear from God if we are unwilling to listen to what He has already spoken to us. We cannot expect to hear from God if we are unwilling to listen to what He has already spoken. Because when we get into God's Word, what happens is that God begins to speak to us through His Word. And so if we're going to place ourselves in God's presence so that we can hear from God, then we must get into his word and allow his word to get into us. So when we pray, we must position ourselves to hear from God. Second and finally, when we pray, we must have a listening heart. Let's read verses 8 through 10 again. It says, Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that it was the Lord calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. When we pray, we must have a listening heart. So Samuel, not recognizing God's voice, he thinks that it's Eli. He keeps going to Eli. But when Eli understood that it was the Lord calling him, Eli gave Samuel a simple prayer. He says, say this, speak for your servant is listening. 
And what a great prayer that is. It's not simply a, a prayer of talking. It is a prayer of listening. It is a prayer that says, this isn't a monologue, God. This is a dialogue. Lord, I want to speak to you, but I also want you to speak to me. So speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so I would encourage us to, to shift the way we think about prayer. Many times we do enter into that prayer time as simply a, a monologue. And we, we give all of our requests to God. We say whatever we have to say. We say amen, we end it, and we go on about our business. But I would say, let's shift the way we think about prayer. And yes, let's take our requests to God, but then also let's have this listening heart. Let's say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And let's give that time and allow God to speak to us through his word. So let me just give you a practical way that you can do this. Even today, you can go home. You can pray. You can give your requests. You can repent. You can whatever it is you're going to pray about. And then get into God's word. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening and allow God to speak to you through his word. Tomorrow, do the same thing. Take your requests to God, whatever your prayers might be, and then speak, Lord, for your servant is listening and allow God's word to speak to you. Get into his word and allow his word to get into you. And as we begin to practice this habit of both listening and speaking, the two together, we're going to be doing something very simple but very extraordinary. We're going to be having a conversation with God. We're going to be praying. And that's my desire, that we would, we would pray more freely and we would pray more frequently. It wouldn't just be a monologue, but it would be a dialogue, a true conversation between us and God. But you know, before you can make listening as a part of your prayer life, First, you need to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And if you've never done that, then I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, then let me give you a, a simple prayer to pray today. It's the most important prayer you can ever pray. It's not simply a prayer of conversation. It's a prayer of confession. And that confession is, Jesus, you are Lord. And if you need to make that confession today, certainly you can make that confession right where you're at, but I'd love to, to hear about that. I'd love to rejoice with you in that, to talk with you and, and pray with you right now. And so I would invite you to respond this morning. If that's you, if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life as we sing, respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can join me down here. We'll talk, we'll pray, we will celebrate this decision for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've never taken that next step of baptism so that you can publicly declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. If you've never done that, but you need to do that, I would invite you to respond as well so that we can make that commitment together this morning. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've taken that step of baptism. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home or, or for my family to make this our church home. If God's calling you to make that decision today, I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever God is calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. 
Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord. We're going to have a conversation with God together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.